Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand in the evil day. I like that. Verse 13 says, wherefore, in other words, as a result of all these things that we're fighting against, then take on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand, withstand in the evil days. And having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God verse 18 praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching there unto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints again we are continuing here talking about spiritual warfare we know that there are battles that we fight within battles that we fight without we've also spoken then concerning spiritual warfare those battles that we fight in the world that is invisible undetected by the human eye amen let's pray today father i love you this morning i'm grateful lord jesus again to be able to share the word of the lord I pray, O Lord, your word, Lord, let it be exalted and magnified in this place today. Help us, O Lord, to be touched. Help us, God, to be ministered to by the word of God. Let it find, Lord, a place, Lord, a permanence and a foothold within our lives that it would help us, Lord, in our walk and our relationship with you. In the name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. God bless you this morning in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Last week we left off, I told you uh, the story concerning the painting and the chess uh, match that was taking place and how the devil seemingly was going to win, but the chess master, after studying it, realized that uh, the opponent had one more move. And in that, we were talking about in Ephesians chapter number 6, how uh, there were perhaps that armor of God that we put on there are three major purposes in utilizing uh, the full armor of God. And we were talking about how one of those uh, purposes was so that we could uh, come against the wiles of the devil. We could come against his schemes and his strategies. We, we would be able more equipped to prevail over him. But another purpose uh, why the whole armor of God is important to us uh, in particular is so that we would withstand withstand these attacks of the enemy that the Bible speaks of uh, in the evil days, in those dark days, that we would be able to withstand the evil days as the Scripture speaks. And whenever you think of that, the Bible uh, throughout the pages of Scripture speaks of different types uh, of evil days that we may approach. And uh, if you haven't approached one of these yet, you just hold on. You may uh, before it's all said and done. These are some of the days that the Bible speaks of. It speaks of a day of trouble in Scripture. 
in Scripture is spoken of a day of battle, a day of calamity, a day of temptation, a day of vengeance, a day of adversity. All of these are found in, our, in the Scriptures. A day of grief and sorrow is spoken of in the Bible, a day of affliction. And so, so that we might be able to withstand in these evil days or maybe hard days, days of hardship and difficulty, uh, we need the whole armor of God, amen, in our lives. Sometimes just to endure some adverse days just to endure some grievous and sorrowful days. The Bible says, the psalmist said in Psalms 34 in verse number 19, he said, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. And uh, we oftentimes like to say, or I oftentimes like to say concerning these afflictions, uh, these many afflictions that we have, I'm comforted that the Lord can deliver us out of them all, but you can't be delivered out of something that you're not in. And so that means you're going to be in some afflictions. You're going to be in some difficult times, but the Lord can, has the ability to deliver him out of them all. All And so regardless of what the day may be, a day of trouble, a day of battle, whatever the day may be, if we are equipped with the whole armor, and I emphasize that, the whole armor of God, we can withstand in these evil days. A third purpose for utilizing the whole armor of God, and I'm going to try to... Uh, Keep with a decent pace here today. I'm going to try not to go to lesson three on spiritual warfare, okay? And so uh, I'm trying to keep a decent pace here today. Another purpose for the whole armor of God is so that we might be able to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy, all the fiery darts of Satan. The Bible says in 1 Peter 4, verses 12 and 13, it says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning even fiery trial, which is to try you. You need not think it strange because remember, the constant verbiage that Paul spoke to Timothy was this. You've been called into an army whenever you become a child of God. You've been called and enlisted into an army. And so by your new birth, don't think it's strange concerning fiery trials, fiery darts, for that matter, as though those something has come that's strange in order to try you. But uh, nothing strange is happening to you. You're just a soldier. You're just a warrior. Uh, a soldier is expected to be in battles, to be expected uh, to be shot at, so to speak, to, to have times of difficulty. But these, the Bible calls them fiery darts, or phalerica is what they were called. These darts were combustible darts. They had burning arrowheads, and uh, enemies would shoot them at fortifications and shoot them at walls and strongholds so that whenever they landed there, they would initiate a fire on whatever it is that they landed. And so the Bible speaks of our adversary as having likewise these fiery darts that he is trying to shoot at the people of God. And as it is with a natural fiery dart, so it is with a spiritual fiery dart. Natural fiery dart, it was to initiate a fire. And the fiery darts that the enemy oftentimes shoots at us, it does just that. It, it ignites a fire. He'll stir up some carnal lust or a desire here or a little passion here or an emotion there. Just enough to get a, a fire started. Right? 
all the materials there if we can just get a little fire on it then it, it will combust and it will grow and so he kind of stirs up those those areas those points in our life just just to ignite just just to bring something to start inflaming us though our mind gets headed and derailed in in a wrong direction or a natural emotion that we have gets uh, stirred up to where it is just over overwhelming uh, inside of us and so in order to prevail against Satan schemes and his fiery darts and to survive in the evil days we must be protected by the whole armor of God and so with that being said I want to go through these different articles of the armor of God and we're just going to try to the best of my ability to hit the tops of the trees all right of these particular articles of of armor Uh, verse number 17 relays to you and I I'm going to talk to you if you look at all the armor that is in the armor of God that's listed in Ephesians chapter number six all of the armor can be defensive type weapons or defensive type armor Uh, for that matter the sword of the spirit which is the word of the Lord which the Bible speaks of is probably the only a true weapon or article of the armor that could be used both defensively and offensively. And so to start out this morning, let's talk about those five five defensive uh, uh, weapons or articles of armor. That's five of the six. Again, the sword of the spirit could go in either direction. But what I think that's important to realize, being that we are equipped or given the availability to put on or have these five out of six defensive weapons is this, is that primarily as a soldier of the Lord, primarily uh, in the army of God, we have been called a man to be on the defense, that we are under some type of attack and we are called to be on the defense. We're not necessarily trying to stir up some war, but there's a war going on and we're trying to defend against it. Amen. Because the majority of our articles are defensive type for our protection. And so verse 17 relates to us that we need to put on the helmet of salvation. That helmet guarding, if you will, the mind, guarding the brain, guarding the command center of the human body. We need to have on the helmet of salvation. You know, there are usually two and there's probably more. So don't just hold me directly to this. But there are usually two aspects in which a person is considered dead. And that is if their heart stops beating or other terminology, if they are brain dead, where they have not the ability, their brain has not the ability to talk, communicate with the other areas of their body. All right. And so this is the control center, our brain, our minds. And we need the helmet of salvation there. We need protection there. How many knows in this viewing audience this morning that if there's ever a battle you face, it's the battle that takes place in your mind? Huh? That if you ever succumb to any type of warfare, it's a warfare that takes on inside of our minds, the control center of our very beings. Because right here is the birthplace of our actions. Right here in our heads is the birthplace of much of what we feel and the emotions that take place. And so this is a battlefield. That's the reason why the apostle told us in Ephesians 4 that whatsoever things are true and whatsoever things are honest and whatsoever things things are just and whatsoever things are pure and whatsoever things are lovely or of a good report if there be any virtue or if there be any praise think on those 
things. It was just a means to try to keep our mind where it needs to be. Have that helmet on because if the adversary is going to attack anything, he's going to attack your mind. He's going to tell you that you can't make it. He's going to tell you you're not good enough. He's going to tell you your new birth experience and what you received. It's just all a bunch of hogwash. All of those types of things somewhere along in your Christian journey is going to come into your mind. And so we need on the helmet of salvation. Now, the book of First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 8, it says this concerning this helmet. And I may skip just a little bit here in this verse, but it says, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on, if you skip down, putting on for an helmet, the hope of salvation, the hope of salvation. Again, the helmet helps protect our thinking processes, helps us to think straight. And so it protects what we know. The Bible meaning of hope for a helmet, the hope of salvation, the Bible meaning is better understood as the confidence or expectation of salvation. In other words, when we are confident, when we are confident in our hope of salvation, all of our priorities, all of our attitudes, all of our thinking are then anchored and secure when our confidence is in that salvation. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1 and verse number 2, and I quoted this just here at the beginning uh, before we started our lesson today, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed uh, unto him against that day. And so what, what a great comfort and confidence we can have then in God, the one that we know, being that those things that we have given to him He'll keep, he'll protect, he'll guard, amen, against that day. The Bible also tells us in Hebrews 6 and verse 19, it's speaking about Jesus Christ. If you look at verse 18, it's speaking about Jesus Christ, that he has went before us. But it goes on in verse 19, which hope, speaking of Jesus, we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. And so we have fled in our walk, in this earth, when we've been born again of the water and the spirit, we have basically fled unto the Lord. And the scripture bears this out in Hebrews 6. We have fled unto the Lord for refuge. We have laid a hold of him. And as a result, we set our hope upon him. And thank God for him. Amen. Because he is the anchor of our very so he is the anchor of our very soul. He's the hope, all right, or the confidence that we have in salvation. He is that helmet of salvation, and he is the anchor for our very soul. The Bible also tells us in Ephesians 6, another article of clothing is, in verse 14, having our loins girt about with truth or the belt of truth. Now, the purpose of the belt, some, somewhat different than what, the purpose of a belt today might be as far as just an ordinary belt. But the purpose of the belt in that day was to bind, to bind the, the flowing garments that particularly a soldier would have that would impede or keep him from being able to make swift movement. That would keep him from being able to run, might I say. Many times he would even take a robe and they would take the back part of the robe through the middle of their legs and bring it up and have that tucked in their belt. 
enabling them to run and have swift movement in battle because you want to be able to move whenever the battle is afoot. You want to be able to move whenever those things are going on. And it was also to hold the soldier's weapon close to his body. You don't want a, a, a hanging down weapon. If it's, if it's a sword, you want it close to your body. Plus, just having on that belt and that midsection, uh, that belt taut against the body. Uh, there's there's the strength and the fatigue that you would experience in war. It's just, in war, it's just giving extra support uh, in that area of your body. And for that matter, and I think this is important because this is the belt to truth or our loins girt about with truth. All right, let's look at this. Truth's never going to hinder your mobility. Uh, truth's not going to hinder your walk. All right, or, or your advancement. And truth in many regards is a weapon. Hallelujah. Truth in many, gar, in many regards can help protect you. How many times have truth come to your protection? All right, but also it is spoken of it customarily in this time, culturally, customarily, that if a soldier was ready for battle, he had that belt tight against his body. A soldier that was walking around with a loose belt of truth, with a slack, a belt of truth with some slack in it, indicated a few different things. It indicated that either that soldier was off duty or he was going off duty. My, 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 my. I want to have my loins girt about with truth. And I don't want there to be any slack in my truth. I don't want there to be any slack in my truth because it's a telltale sign as it was then literally, so now spiritually. Anybody that starts getting slack in the belt of truth, they're on their way out of duty. Oh, yes. I feel the Holy Ghost. Amen. They're, 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 they're indicating off duty or going off duty. Amen. And so we need to have that belt of truth. Amen. The Bible says concerning doctrinal truth, if you will, uh, Proverbs, and I'm just making reference to this, Proverbs 22 and verse 20, 23, verse 23, chapter 23 and verse 23, it admonishes us to buy the truth and sell it not. First Timothy 4, 16, listen to what Paul tells Timothy. And, and this is amazing because if you go back up to verse 13, Paul's already talking to Timothy about doctrine. And then in verse number 15, he, he's telling Timothy, you can read this in your Bibles, to give yourself wholly unto the doctrine. And then in verse 16, he says, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. And he says, continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt save Thyself, both thyself and those that hear thee is what the scripture goes on to say. Amen. And so whenever you consider truth or the doctrine, amen, these are not the ideologies of men, all right, but these are those, those scriptural truths that are in God's word, amen, that whenever we give ourselves and take heed into the doctrine, the belt of truth, amen, that article of clothing, that armor, amen, and if we, here it is, if we continue in them, Paul told Timothy, if we continue in them, it's going to be advantageous for us and for those that hear us as well. The Bible also tells us, amen, that only those that perish are those that did not receive a love of the truth. All right, I want to love truth and I want truth to love me because it was the truth that made me free. 
Amen. The Bible says that it was the truth that made me free. And so if it made me free to begin with, I'm sure it'll keep me free to, to continue with. Amen. The belt of truth. And so I need doctrine and we need, we need personal truth today. We, we need just sincere inward honesty and integrity just as individuals. Uh, the psalmist David said in Psalms 51 and verse 6, Behold God, behold thou, and he's speaking to God, desirous truth in the inward parts. Amen. In the inward parts. This, this, this life that we live is just not an outward expression of truth. It's an inward life of truth as well. Amen. And so... Uh, in the fatigue of, of battle and the weariness of battle. I need doctrinal truth. I need personal integrity with God. Amen. And that's going to help provide the support. Amen. That I need and the strength that I need as a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible goes on Ephesians 6 and it talks to us about the breastplate of righteousness. Verse 14. It tells us about the breastplate of righteousness or if you will, the breastplate of right living. The breastplate of right living. Now, the breastplate of righteousness, uh, it's a location, of course, in that, that, that area of waist up to neck type of thing. It's protecting all the vital organs in a literal sense of an individual's body uh, throughout their torso. But uh, something about a Roman, and Paul, no doubt, we started this lesson last week, taking a lot of, inventory observation from all of these Roman soldiers that he was either chained to or under, under uh, uh, authority of because of his imprisonment. The Roman breastplate actually came in two pieces. The Roman breastplate not just covered the chest, but it also had leathern straps, and there was a part that covered the back as well. And so the Bible speaks of the breastplate also in First Thessalonians this protective cover for the vital organs, the heart, uh, the lungs, all these things. First Thessalonians 5, 8, it says, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate. Look how Paul speaks of it here in Thessalonians, the breastplate of faith and love, he says. So in Ephesians, it's described as a breastplate of righteousness. In Thessalonians, it's labeled as the breastplate of faith and love. No doubt because faith and love both uh, exemplify, incorporate many, if not all, the virtues of righteousness or of right living, of right living. Whenever I think of faith and our faith to God, our, our faith binds us to the Lord. When we look at love, of course, we know the first two greatest commandments of the law is loving the Lord and loving your brother. So faith connects us and binds us to the Lord, but our love also binds us to him, but also to each other, the brotherhood, other soldiers, might I even say, in the army of the Lord. And so this is a breastplate of righteousness. It keeps us in some regards, that right living in our faithfulness to our relationship with God, but it also keeps us in correct behavior and relationship with our brothers and sisters that are in the Lord. And these breastplates oftentimes were made out of metal. They were made out of brass or bronze or gold or something that that, that, that matters. And, and many times, not just shields at times, but breastplates were used to be reflective 
the sun would be coming down, hitting that brass or that gold, and the, that breastplate would shine and glisten in the sunlight. And sometimes soldiers with their movement would use that to their advantage, almost like a mirror to shine light into the eyes of those that were approaching them to confuse the enemy, if you will. Uh, the Apostle Paul in Romans 13 and verse number 12, he states these words, The night is far spent, the day is at hand, let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us, he says, put on the armor of light, on the armor of light, because that's going to be beneficial in a dark world. That's going to be beneficial concerning adversaries and opponents against us. Another article of the armor defense article is our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Our, our feet shod or what in scripture uh, is oftentimes spoken of as greaves. Uh, it, it covered the shins, the, the bottom part of the leg, and the brass boots, so to speak, that they would have on their feet. You can see in verse number 15, it's talking about our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And so these, these uh, greaves and these, these boots, as it were, that protected the legs and the feet were very important for the soldier because years ago, they had landmines too. Now, this is the archaic landmine, okay? What they had were sticks uh, that were sharp, that had points on them that they would litter the ground with or have them shoved in the ground. And the tips of them had been dipped in some type of poison. And so whenever a soldier is going, if he did not have these hardy uh, greaves, if you will, or boots, those sticks could puncture through. And then whenever that tip entered their skin, they were poisoned by the tip because of what was on them. And so they could go through the, these areas, though, with what, these, these landmines called gall traps, they could go through these areas and not be greatly impacted or affected because they're hardy and those, those sticks are not going to penetrate through with that poison. For that matter, these, these boots or these shoes that was upon their feet also, uh, the best way that I know to describe it, almost like had cleats on them or like, like a golf shoe that had spikes on the bottom of them. And what that meant was, was they, that helped their standability. That allowed them to stand. That allowed them to, you know, their, 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 their cleats or their, 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 those points on the bottom of their shoes would dig into that soil wherever it was standing. And so even if they were pushed against, they, they had the ability to hold their ground. He said, our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. They are prepared the preparation of the gospel, the equipping of the gospel. What is the gospel? First Corinthians 15 tells us and relates that the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection. Amen. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. How does that gospel relate to us? How does the gospel become active in our life? Amen. Through repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. He says we're going to have our feet shod with the preparation of that death, burial, and resurrection, that new birth experience. Amen. It's the preparation of the gospel of peace. Because in reality, listen to me, folks, you're only at peace with God if you've died with him, been buried with him, and you've been resurrected with him. Amen. There is only peace for a true soldier. Amen. If there has been the preparation of the gospel of peace. Hallelujah. Amen. Someone say amen. Hallelujah. The Bible says the psalmist David loves Psalms 119. The psalmist David, amen, writes and pins some words. Amen. There in the scripture of verse number 101, he says, I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. 
He says further down in that same chapter of 133, he speaks it to the Lord. He says, order my steps in thy word. Order my steps in thy word. And contained, of course, within the whole counsel of the word of God is the gospel. He said, it's going to keep, it's going to keep me from, going to help me refrain my feet from the evil way, evil paths, amen, where those pointy objects of poison and stuff could influence my walk. Amen. Because our, our, our feet is what's carrying us to wherever we're getting to. Our feet are carrying us here and carrying us there. And it can be a beautiful, feet, uh, a beautiful thing. And in New Testament scripture, the Bible spoke of uh, the feet of the minister, the feet of the preacher. How beautiful are the feet of them that, that carry or preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings. And so to be, be, be uh, uh, dressed, if you will, in the, in the, the greaves or dressed with, 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 with boots, of, of, of gospel of peace it is a beautiful thing it's not ugly it's a beautiful thing for our feet to be shod amen with the gospel of peace going on Ephesians 6 and verse 16 talks to us about having above all taking the shield of faith the shield of faith that shield is movable anybody the church family here has probably seen bishop with a shield of faith before right you remember Bishop, it's still in his office. I could go get it right now. But his shield of faith that is comparable to the height of the man who owns it, right? And it's wide enough for him to stand behind and hide behind, yet it's also movable. So he can, he can move with that shield of faith. For that matter, the shield of faith in many regards is the first line of defense for every other piece of armor. It's the first line of defense for every. And so with that in mind, above all, take the shield of faith. Because if you don't have the shield of faith, you've already lost your first line of defense. Amen. Perhaps that's another reason why Jesus, we spoke about this last week, how Satan desired, remember, to sift Peter as wheat. But Jesus says, I prayed for you, Right? That when you that when you are uh, strengthened, you'll, 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 or whenever you're converted, you'll strengthen the brethren. The Bible says he prayed for Peter. Jesus prayed for Peter that his faith failed not. He says, I pray for you that your faith fail not. He didn't want that first line of defense to be torn from Peter's life because he knew that would make him susceptible. Amen. And uh, under attack on other articles, if you will, of his of his his armor that he had the shield of faith or the shield you speak in natural terms culturally in that day whenever mothers sent away their soldiers they would basically say these words unto them they, she would say honey you you either bear this shield or you'll come home with this shield bearing you and the message was basically this if you'll for us the shield of faith if you'll uphold the faith now, there will come a day that the faith will uphold you. And so above all, we got to take the shield of faith. The shields many times were made out of wood. Stretched over that wood, the structure was, was some type of like an animal skin or some type of leather and material. And it was important. It was vital. It was necessary uh, for soldiers to literally anoint their shields with oil. 
We read of that at different times in Scripture. People are urged to anoint their shield. Of course, that makes the leather and the skin more pliable, but that also helps in quenching the fiery darts of the adversary. And so they would anoint those shields, all right? Look, if you will, look, you will, at 2 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 21. We're talking about the anointing of these shields because really it's only anointed shields that could actually quench fiery darts. This is Second uh, Samuel 1 is the chapter of David lamenting the loss of Saul who was king and Jonathan his son on Mount Gilboa. He's lamenting their loss. He's, he's lamenting the loss uh, of Jonathan because Jonathan was an expert with his 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 uh, sword and, and or arrows rather bow and arrows and Saul was an expert with his with his sword and so now these weapons of war have perished as a result of these two people perishing and the Bible says look at it Second Samuel one and verse twenty one ye mountains of Gilboa let there be no dew neither let there be rain upon you nor fields of of offerings for there the shield of the mighty is vilely cast away the shield of Saul as though he had not been anointed with oil Bible says that the shield had been vilely cast away now here's what I want you to know if you if you have a Bible that does this uh, some Bibles do this show words in italics which basically means to the reader that those words were not there in the original manuscripts. They have been added by the translator. And so if you look at 2 Samuel 1 and verse 21, when we look at, for there the shield of the mighty is vilely cast away, the shield of Saul, the words as though he had are in italics. The word been is in italics. If I just set those aside right now, we have this. For there the shield of the mighty is vilely cast away, the shield of Saul, not anointed with oil see the english bible because of those added words tends to make us think that saul wasn't anointed all right we know he was anointed we know that took place but when we take those italic words aside we understand that the shield of saul had not been anointed with oil and that's interesting because when we read in the last chapter of 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 of, of second of first samuel the last chapter of first samuel Saul was sore wounded of what? Archers. Saul was so sore wounded of archers. I, I don't know. I don't know the whole story, but I'm just saying if the shield wasn't anointed, could that have allowed then a, a, a negative thing for Saul from the archers because he didn't have an anointed shield? Folks, we need to have the shield of faith and we need to keep that thing in a condition that it is pliable. Amen. That the utility of it is as it needs to be for our lives. It's going to be mobile for us. Yes, we can stand behind it, but it's only good to stand behind if it's pliable. If it's, we need the anointing upon it. Amen. We, we need the oil upon it. It'll be very versatile, if you will, to any attack. Amen. If we keep it in that way. And faith is versatile. Faith is very user-friendly in a lot of many areas. All it takes is a little cursory reading of Hebrews chapter 11. And listen, if I may just go through a few of these things. 
by faith is what the scripture says. By faith, we understand creation. By faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. By faith, Enoch was translated. Noah prepared an ark. Abraham went into an, in, out into an inheritance. Sarah received her strength to conceive by faith. Abraham offered up Isaac. Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. Jacob blessed the sons of Joseph. Moses was hid, amen, by his parents from Pharaoh by faith. Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh. He kept the Passover. The Israelites passed through the Red Sea. How? By faith, we need the shield of faith. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. The harlot Rahab, amen, perished not when Jericho was destroyed. They subdued kingdoms by faith, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the sword, the edge of the sword of others. Amen. Out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant to fight, turned to flight the enemies of the aliens, and received their dead raised to life again, all by faith. So don't tell me, amen, that the utility and the use of faith is not important and necessary and advantageous for us. It is. I need the shield of faith. Amen. I need the shield of faith. Faith will conquer, help conquer the world in which we live. 1 John 5 and verse number 4, the Bible says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. Even our faith. Even our faith. Now, we've talked about five defensive weapons. This next weapon also could be defensive, but it is primarily the only offensive weapon that we really have in the armor of God, and that is the sword of the Spirit, which the Bible says is the word of God in verse number 17 of Ephesians 6. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, the sword of God. The awesome thing about God and His Word, this sword, is it is absolutely unlimited in its power. Hebrews 4 and 12, this is a scripture that is so loved and adored concerning the Word of God. For the Word of God is quick. That means it is alive. This is a living Word. This is a living word. Something about the word of the Lord, it is, it is living. It is not dead letters and syllables and sentences on a page. It is a living word. In so much that we're seeing some of the very things that were spoken in that word still being fulfilled in our generation today. It's a living word. Not only is it a living word, its author is still alive. <laughs> Amen. It's a living word, a living author. The word of God is quick and powerful. And sharper even than any two-edged sword, the scripture says. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Now, that's some kind, some kind of word. That's some kind of sword. I don't know if anybody has a sword or an instrument of precision that can divide the soul from the spirit. But God's word can. And of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God's word, even Christ in his earthly ministry, Matthew 4 and Luke 4, uh, with all of the different testings from the adversary of those 40 days and those 40 nights in the wilderness, we all time say that whenever the, the enemy said, can you make these stones into bread or will you go to the pinnacle of the temple and cast yourself down from there? All these different things, the Lord would retort with, it is written. 
Thou shalt not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeded from the mouth of God. And uh, he would retort with the word of the Lord. And if Jesus Christ, our example, did that, then how much more should we take his, his little cue there, take a cue from him to also use the word of God in our weaponry against the things that come against us. We need to take that word, as the psalmist said, and we need to hide it in our heart that we might not sin against God. Because if we get the word there, it's doing some fighting against some invisible things. Pride and malice and envy and lust. Amen. If we get the word in our hearts. For that matter, you know, folks, you can go out today and you can buy. Bishop used to hand them out of varied kinds. Little, little prayer books. That, that basically all it is is if you're feeling discouraged, you go to that place in the book and it has scriptures and verses about battling discouragement or depression or fear uh, if I may just share a few with you today confusion and turmoil consider Isaiah 26 and 3 these are not on your screen we're just hitting them it says that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee if you're suffering from fatigue and weariness, the Bible tells us, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If temptation is, is uh, uh, posing as an adversary to you, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. If you're right now in the audience and you're suffering from grief, perhaps you've lost a loved one or perhaps there's just been loss because of what's going on right now in our world, the loss of normalcy. The Bible says in Psalms 23 and 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thy rod and for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. If Fear is overtaking you. The scripture says, what time I am afraid, the psalmist said, I will trust in thee. Speaking to the Lord. What time I'm afraid, I'm going to, you know what? There's no better place to take your fear than to the Lord. Amen. And so these are scriptures. These are verses in the word of God. That is our sword of the spirit. Folks, you can find a lot of, of, of answers, a lot of guidance for many ills and emotions in life if you consult the sword of, of the Spirit, if you consult the Word of the Lord. And so I advise you, pick it back up, amen, and once again, become skillful. And for that matter, you talk about a weapon of war. You can't become skillful in any weapon of war unless you use it. You like stand back and watch somebody in archery, man, they're hitting the bullseye. And like, man, they're, that, they're good. I wonder how they got like that. Well, duh. If you talk to them, I'm sure that they've invested some time and energy in the practice. And so if you're going to become skillful in the sword, the word of God, you got to use the word of God. You got to spend some time with the word of God. Amen. And so these are, these are the articles of clothing, amen, of our spiritual warfare. Let's go on just a little further. We got to go on. I got to I got to run. Amen. I got to get going. Ephesians 6:18 tells us also we have all of these great articles, all of these great weapons, all of these great things of defense, but it tells us in verse 18 that we must also praying with always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. So we have all these things, but 
the, the, the mechanics. They're, they're covered. They're bathed in prayer. Prayer is a discipline whereby we must exercise all the other articles of our armor. All right? It needs prayer should be adopted as a perpetual habit of the soldier. All right? Because you have that. You have truth, right? You have righteousness and peace and faith and salvation and all these things. But they best function through the venue and the mechanics of prayer. Without prayer... We're really somewhat weak. We're feeble. We're, we're unable to manipulate our armor, our truth, and our faith effectively without prayer. Amen. Prayer. The Bible says in Jude 1, there's only one chapter in Jude, verse 20. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. There's a building up. There's a strengthening even of yourselves through your prayers. Through your prayers. And folks, there's all kinds of prayer. The Bible and Scripture talks about prayers and supplications and intercessions and thanksgiving. All of those things are important. You need prayer, but you there's times that we have supplication also, which relates to the requests we make to God. But there's also those times of intercession where we are like mediating, like praying for others, praying in behalf of others. And then there's times that there is thanksgiving that we are giving or praise unto God. All of these things are important concerning the prayer aspect. Uh, the James, I believe it was, that said that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, and it does. Whenever we talk about prayer and supplications and thanksgiving and intercessions, all those things and disciplines in our Christian life being also important in our warfare, we don't have to go very far but Second Chronicles 20 to learn that of a man by the name of Jehoshaphat and there is enemies, there are adversaries, and we look at his process for going to battle, his process for fighting. And if you read that chapter, you're going to see that he did a few things. Number one, Jehoshaphat and the people that he was over, he, he urged them, we need to pray. Number two, they fasted. This is 2 Chronicles 20. They prayed, they fasted, they worshiped, and they also praised. The Bible says when they went out to war, it's not those with all of the, the armors per se that went out, but he sent his praisers out there, right? And the Bible says when he sent those with, with their instruments and their praise, he sent them out there. The Bible said the Lord set ambushments against their enemies. But look at the disciplines, prayer, fasting, worship, praise. Amen. And they were victorious in their battle. And so we must have prayer, those things bathed in prayer. Also, there must be a preparedness about us, a preparedness about us. Yes, we must take the whole armor of God for the purpose of what? Having done all, as verse 13 tells us, to stand, to stand. Stand in many regards is a military, military term. It means that after we've conquered our enemy, we stand, listen to me, ready and prepared to conquer the next or for the next attack that will come. I would love to be able to tell you this morning that it's like a one and done thing, but it's not. It's not one battle and done. We are in a war of a series of battles, and you're going to have attacks that come, and you're going to be victorious, but that is not time to hang the armor on the wall. 
Because as a matter of fact, if we look in Scripture, most people were most vulnerable right after their victories. Elijah, Mount Carmel, you see him in the cave, right? Jezebel. You see people very vulnerable in Scripture after some of their greatest victories because you got to stay prepared for the next fight because, and I'm not being the cloud of doom and despair here, there's always going to be the next fight. The Bible even tells us whenever Jesus had his wilderness uh, testing of the devil in Luke 4, and after he was victorious, you know, using for it is written, for it is written, the Bible says that the devil departed from him. The temptation ended, and the devil departed from him. Here's important. In Luke 4, it states these, these words. It, he departed from him for a season. You know what that means? <laughs> That's just for a little while. However long that season was, he's going to come back. He's going to be he's going to be poking and prodding and setting up the poisonous, you know, uh, gall traps again on the ground. So there's always going to be uh, sad as to say there's always going to be another battle. But this is the army that we're called into. This is the fight that we're called into. And so we got to be prepared. We can't grow lack. We can't grow slack. Rather, amen. In those responsibilities, we must be prepared. All right. And the Bible says also in verse 18, we got to watch with all perseverance. We got to be prepared and we must persevere. We must persist. We must endure. Scripture says in the Gospels that he that endureth to the end, the shame shall be saved. So, folks, you might be fully equipped with your armor, you're fasting, you're praying, you're worshiping, and you feel like you've been through the, the, the lower 90 acres, if you will, of hell. Amen. By the time the rapture comes, you've just done your deed. But if you've persisted, if you per persevered, if you endured, the same that endured to the end, the same shall be saved. You got to remain, you got to have fortitude, you got to hold out. Amen. Sometimes you just got to hold on. Hallelujah. And so we read these things in God's word concerning our military disciplines of prayer and being prepared and persisting in Ephesians chapter number six. Amen. There are people throughout the scripture that endured. You want to talk about endurance, endured several things. And I, I, I got to go today. They endured afflictions in the scripture. They endured hardness. They endured persecution. All of these are in your Bible. They endured the chastening and the correction of the Lord, grief, temptation. The Bible sums it up in all of this in 2 Corinthians 13, 7. Speaking of love, amen, that we have become partakers of because we have God. It endures all things. Think about it, bear of all things. All, the, all things, there is endurance taking place. But thanks be to God, there are also rewards, amen, to becoming winners in the spiritual battle. The Bible, all you got to read is, is Revelations 2 and 3 about the seven churches of the book of Revelations. They were overcomers, and there were all kinds of things given or afforded them because they were overcomers. They got to eat of the tree of life. They were not hurt by the second death. They were a pillar in the temple of God. Several different aspects, amen, that was rewards for them being overcomers. I want to be today an overcomer. I got to hasten to a close. Ooh, glory, amen. We're not continuing with spiritual warfare next week. As in teaching, you probably will in your own life, but nonetheless. Isaiah 41 and 10. I'll end with this verse. <clears throat> this is, let me say it like this. This is the last verse I'm going to read. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. We need to take encouragement from this. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. 
Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee. I like it. With the right hand of my righteousness. Paul said that we are more than conquerors. Through him that loved us. I'll close today, and I am literally closing. Brother and Sister Mace can come. That's always a help. I'm closing today with this little article or read. I don't know if you'd call it a poem or not, but a little article or read entitled, A Soldier in the Army of God. Consider it. Give consideration to it here this morning. I am a soldier in the army of my God. The Lord Jesus Christ is my commanding officer. The Holy Bible is my code of conduct. Faith, prayer, and the word are my weapons of warfare. I have been taught by the Holy Spirit, trained by experience, tried by adversity, and tested by fire. I am, volu- I am a volunteer in this army. I am enlisted for eternity. I will either retire in the rapture or die in this army. But I will not get out, sell out, be talked out, or pushed out. I am faithful, reliable, capable, and dependable. If God needs me, I will be there. If he needs me to teach children and work with the youth, help adults, assist the disabled, teach Bible studies, clean the church, feed the poor, pray for the sick, or just sit and learn, he can use me because I will be there. I'm a soldier. I'm not a baby. I do not need to be pampered, petted, primped up, pumped up, picked up, perked up, or pepped up. I'm a soldier. No one has to call me, remind me, write me, visit me, entice me, or lure me. I'm a soldier. I'm not a wimp. I'm in my place, saluting my king, obeying his orders, praising his name, building his kingdom. No one has to send me flowers, gifts, food, cards, candy, or give me handouts. I don't need to be coddled, cradled, cared for, or catered to. I'm committed. I'm determined. I cannot have my feelings hurt bad enough to turn me around. I cannot be discouraged enough to turn me aside. I cannot lose enough to cause me to quit. When Jesus called me into this army, I had nothing. And if I end up with nothing, I'll still have more than I started with. I will win. My God will supply all my needs. I am more than a conqueror. I will always triumph. I can do all things through Christ. Devils cannot defeat me. People cannot delusion me. Weather cannot weary me. Sickness cannot stop me. Battles cannot beat me. Money cannot buy me. Governments cannot silence me. Hell cannot handle me. I'm a soldier. Even death cannot destroy me. For when my commander calls me from this battlefield, he will promote me to a captain and bring me back again to this earth to rule the world with him. I am a soldier that I hope has put on the whole armor of God that we would be able to withstand in this day. I'm going to pray right now. Father, I come to you today. I pray, oh Lord, for each and every individual, Lord, that may be viewing this morning, the first apostolic church members that are viewing today. I pray, oh God, that in this moment of time that they have, Lord, not grown slack or failed and putting on the whole armor of God day by day. We are still engaged, Lord, in warfare. 
God, many times things, Lord, that our eye cannot detect and our ear cannot hear, but nonetheless, it is real. And it is, Lord Jesus, a, a means and a mode of oppression and opposition, Lord, to the church of the living God. I pray, oh Lord, help us to have on the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness, our loins to be girt about with truth, our feet to be shod with the preparation of the gospel. Lord, have the sword of the Spirit, and above all, taking the shield of faith. I pray, God, today, bathe all that with prayer. Oh, Jesus, today, help us to be the army, the soldiers of the Lord. I pray, oh God, we uphold the banner of faith, and we wave it, Lord Jesus, God, for all to see. Hallelujah, that we're still engaged in this thing. We're still engaged in this battle. We are still warriors, and we're going to continue fighting until you call us home. We're going to continue fighting until you say it's done. Lord, we love you, and we praise you today. God bless you this morning. Amen. Be a soldier for the Lord today in this hour. Hallelujah. God bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.